What's up? Welcome to the Entangled Podcast. My name is Ashley. I'm Taylor. And I'm Henry. We are three educators from Teach for America that get together on this podcast to talk about education in Louisiana and all the subjects entangled within it. See what I did there? In each episode, we unpack the latest news of Louisiana's state of education, discuss the hottest topics in the field, and make sense of it all with a touch of humor. Thank you for tuning into this episode, and we hope you enjoy the show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Entangled Podcast. Hi. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was L-O-U-D. Loud. <laughs> We're here. We're here, though. We're here. Hey, I'm down. I am down. Henry always bring the, the air horns and the energy. Um, yeah, we are here. We are live. And in living color, it is so great to be back with you all this week. And we have a special guest. This special guest just so happened to be in my DEI group my very first year as a facilitator at the Delta Institute. Mm -mm -mm. So it is a pleasure to see her and to be with her again, just grown, just grown up. So shout out to Blair. Blair is here. Blair, take a moment to introduce yourself and we will keep the train right on going. Mm. Hey, y'all. My name is Blair. I am a DEI practitioner for our region, which is dope because I'm sitting on this call with my DEIF, who was the first Black the first. woman DEIF facilitator that I had seen commanding space as a teacher. So this is like very much a full circle moment. Mm. Um, and I'm also a coach for our region. So I'm just super excited to talk with you all and just to be around the good energy we are so excited to have you and Mary. I can't wait to hear you chime in on these current events because y'all know education be out there wilding and, <laughs> and, to, to, and to chime in on just to hear your interview today I'm really excited about it and I hope you people out there is just as excited mm -hmm. so before we get into that I'm gonna roll it right on over to Henry Henry is going to tell us about what's going out there in the streets. We're going to see what's going on. Okay, so for our current events, let's start with this. We have the Department of Education for Louisiana has been providing a professional development series that's focused on middle and high school literacy. They've had several sessions. Right now, they're on their third session of this PD series, but all three sessions have been recorded and can be found on the LDOE website. I will link that in the show notes if anybody is interested. Uh, secondly, the LDOE is also doing a summer internship with Zern. Have y'all heard of Zern? I love Zern. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you love about Zern? I live for Zern. So... Zern is like one of those interactive, um, like intervention programs for students. But I think it's really great for students who are working on their math fluency. So a lot of teachers who want to help their kids like do better with their multiplication facts and all those good things. Zern does fluency sprints. It does like visual mathematical learning. So great platform. Love it. Thank you for that, uh, for that Zern briefing, Blair, because, yeah, that's exactly what it's being used for. It is being used to provide basically high dosage of math tutoring during summer school for students. Um, so if you or your school is interested, yeah, all participants have to register by March 9th and attend a three-hour session on how to implement Zern's math summer intensive series. Next, we also have them partnering with the Writing Revolution. Now, this one I had never heard of, um, but they're doing this to provide some revisions to the state ELA guidebooks, particularly for grades third through fifth. Mm. Uh, it seems like this is the time in child development in which like writing really starts to pick up. And so uh, what the Writing Revolution, as I had to figure out who these folks were, um, they like to enable students, especially those from historically marginalized communities, 
to develop their writing skills, as well as the ability to read and think critically. So they have enhanced opportunities to succeed in school, in the workplace, and in life, starting particularly with writing. They use what they call the Hotchman method. Now, mind you, when I when I was looking this up, I thought I was going to see some guy whose name was like Martin Hotchman or something. I, I didn't see any of that. Um, but basically what it is, is they have, well, I'll just talk about like the six principles of the Hotchman method. Um, and then that will kind of give you an idea of like what the practices are. So six principles of the Hotchman method are students need explicit instruction in writing beginning in the early elementary grades. They have sentences that are the building blocks of all writing. I'm not sure if that should be a pillar out. That's like a no brainer, but okay. Um, number three is when embedded in the content of the curriculum, writing instruction is a powerful teaching tool. Number four, the content of the curriculum drives the rigor of the writing activities, which that one I'm like very much for. We teach writing in the curriculum and not necessarily as a separate thing. Um, same with number five, grammar is best taught in the context of student writing. And then lastly, for number six, the two most important phrases of the writing process are planning and revising. Mm. Oh, I love that. Mm. Mm -hmm. This is good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried to keep it generally positive this time around. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know a lot of the times, like, there's just the education is in, in, in such state of emergency that we're like, oh, my God, all these terrible things happening. So we're, we're, we're doing a lot of like, hey, look, we're doing a lot of great things as well. Uh, let's see. The last thing that I have, it, again, the Department of Education for Louisiana and along with Oshner Health are launching a new virtual therapy program to help make mental health services more convenient and accessible for all educators. This includes educators who are doing early childhood care, along with all of the employees who work in K through 12 schools in Louisiana. And yes, that includes charter schools. All eligible participants can sign up using the service key on the LDOE website, which again, we'll also provide in the show notes. That is all I got for current events. Voila. Well, thank you, Henry, for those current events. And I appreciate the positivity because I think it's just like you said right now, child, anything you hear, it's a it's a red something, red signal, red smoke signal. Who knows? State of emergency. Um, but there's a lot happening in the streets. And I really hope that so you'll be hearing this Mardi Gras week. So I hope that all of y'all out there are like enjoying yourselves, taking a restful break. Hopefully you'll chime in with us on maybe Monday when you get back to school. Um, but I'm super excited for our teacher's lounge today. We have a special guest, Miss Blair Causey. So she's going to be tapping in on our conversation. And today we're going to be talking about how you have tough conversations in a school context. You know, when we get to the end of a, a, a calendar year, there's always this moment where it's like, oh, let me reflect and think about what I've done and how I want to change. And I've found this conversation or this topic to be very fitting for this time, especially for educators who may have been in the classroom for years and they're like, I want to transition. Or for maybe our first years who are like, all right, my first year was X, Y, and Z, but I want to make some changes. But how do I communicate that? How do I make it known what I need? How do I advocate for myself in a way that's meaningful, thoughtful, um, and that can just like actually facilitate change versus creating disagreements or things of that nature, confrontation within the workplace. So um, we're going to just start. We're going to get started. Um, Blair, do you have any additional additions to your introduction? What else do you want the people to know before we get started? Nope. The only other thing that y'all need to know about me is I'm a human being and <laughs> I was a teacher too. And it's, it's real having conversations and needing to collaborate with other adults. It's it's very stressful and it's something that takes a lot of time to think about. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation because like this is a muscle that you'll have to build over time mm -hmm. and over your years as an educator and just as a person. 
when we were thinking through how we wanted this conversation to go, um, we really thought about the fact that there's like three parts to, to this. So you need to prepare for the conversation. Like step one is figuring out, do you need to have a conversation with somebody? If something happens or if you're reflecting and you know, you're like, okay, this needs to happen. And then have the conversation is step two. And then third, is there some sort of, is there something you need to do after? So we're going to talk through that. First question I have, not only for our guests, but just even our co-hosts, how do you know when you need to have a tough conversation with somebody? Yeah, I think for me personally, I have to really reflect on what the implications of this conversation might be and like my intentions on having the conversation. If I know that something has happened that's like going to have a dramatic impact for like my students or for my building's culture, if it's something that I just know is going to be an obstruction to things moving forward in a positive way that benefits kids, then I know that I need to have that conversation. But if my intention comes from a place of me being in my feelings or me needing to like teach this other teacher to respect me, like depending on the energy that's surrounding my desire to have the conversation, um, I'll usually stick a pen in it because I'll find that if I'm hot about something or if I'm in my feelings about something, the next day, the situation seems less uh, less pressing to me. But if it's still there, and if after I have let my feelings settle, I really feel like this conversation needs to happen in order to move things forward positively for my building and for kids, then I know that I need to have that conversation. And I think like this mindset of like, oh, I need to teach somebody to respect me. is like, oh, I need to fix this person oh, I need to have this conversation with this person because yeah. they're doing X, Y, and Z and I need to fix this. <laughs> like this, you are not going to disrespect me. I am going to preserve all of my little, my, my energy dots, my energy drops, anything, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also people who may be out there and they're like, I'm a first year teacher and I don't know if I really have a leg to stand on. Like, yeah. I know that there are some things that need to be changed. I know that in my first year, these things happen and I would like to see a change in my second year, but like, Mm -hmm. what, what can I really say as a, as a first year? And so I think to just sum it all up, I think even through that, sometimes you just know, like, sometimes you just know you just need to have a conversation. It's a feeling. I would say for me, I'm very, very similar to you, Blair. Like I, I would definitely have to sit with it for a bit. To, and figure out why this is something that like bothers me so much or why this is something I have such strong feelings for. And then, yeah, if it's still there the next day, I may have some clarity or if it's the feeling is still there, then I do need to talk about it. The other thing that would that I would also add to that is if I find after thinking about this so much that this is something that would benefit more people than just myself, um, and that that would really be my students um, or other teachers, which would in turn will benefit the rest of the school. That's yet another reason for why I'd have that conversation. If I am like in the shower and, you know, in the shower, that's when you get your best thinking on. Right. That's when you when all the ideas start popping up and you start practicing, you start practicing what you're going to say to that person. Yeah. If that comes up for you in the shower, maybe you need to sit down and reflect on like what's happening. Or maybe you have an Issa Rae moment and you need to like pump yourself up in the mirror or be like, yeah, I'm going to say this, I'm going to do that, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. But if that doesn't happen for you while you're like in your life, it's probably not a conversation worth having because for me, it disrupts my spirit and my mind so much where I'm like, I can't stop thinking about this until I actually address it, whether that was me as a teacher or even me as a coach, where I'm like, I need to plan this. I'm not going to be impulsive because then I'm just going to start popping off on folks and we don't want that. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. But, But it's like, okay, let me write down all of my impulsiveness and then tailor and edit it so that it is 
deliverable in a manner that is tactful. I see. Taylor tailoring her words. I love it. <laughs> I was just about to say like, no, <laughs> you got to, or you'll get in trouble. Right. <laughs> That's the reason why I think we're having this conversation is because I hate to say it, and I know that there's just a shift that's happening just in like the professional world with the great resignation and people, you know, really realizing like, hey, where do I want to spend my time? Like at the end of the day, there are professional ways to move about the workplace. There are just some things that you have to say in certain ways, unfortunately, right? Because that's just the professionalism standard that we hold as educators, You have to prepare for the conversation. You can't just, if somebody is coming at you, talking out the side of their neck, they say something in the parking lot or you walking your kids to the lunchroom and they have something slick to say, sometimes you just need to take that moment and reflect. The teacher's lounge is where it'd be popping off. Okay. Not not the entangled one, the real one. (laughs) Right. Because those are the spaces where it's like, everybody's here. Even if I want to just go in there to, to copy one sheet of paper or <laughs> grab a water, somebody's in there throughout the day. And so if something happens immediately, take a step back, reflect, get yourself together. So that leads us, leads us to the next question. What's important to think through before the conversation? And what do you need to prepare or to bring? to that conversation that you may need to have with somebody. Yeah, Ashley, I think that you made like a really good point when you kind of started talking about like reaching out to other people and like having conversations about what happened with others. I think that we've all seen in our schools, like sometimes the default reaction in the default mode is to be like, I'm gonna go tell so-and-so about what happened between me and this person. And especially if that thing goes unaddressed, then nine times out of 10, it's going to get back to that person, right? So one of the things to really think through in the beginning is like, if you're bringing folks in, please bring folks in that are there for thought partnership that can help you have a productive conversation, right? We all have those people that we call if we need to vent or if we need to talk about something, that person being someone in your building who you know may go and tell others or go back and tell that person might not be the best move, even if you trust that individual, because the likelihood that it has to create a situation in which other people are speaking for you and you can't speak for yourself Mm -hmm. um, just will further complicate the whole thing. Um, So one, like think about who you're bringing in if you need thought partnership. Two, um, think about what information you have about the situation and about the person that you want to approach as you're having this conversation. What do you know about their context, about their responsibilities, about their life? What information do you have about some of the difficulties that they may be facing that may be causing them to show up in a way for you that is deficient Um, because we're all under the same amount of pressures, right? And we're all coping with it in different ways. So thinking about what information you have about the person that you want to talk to is gonna perhaps help you approach the conversation in a different way as more of a learner and less of a corrector. And then I would just say like, in terms of tangible things to like think about or bring to the conversation, like bring a solution, Mm. bring an alternative, Mm -hmm. bring something that is going to be doable that you have identified can like move the needle and be willing to negotiate with that person for that thing. But you have to be bringing some sort of solutions orientation to the conversation, right? Because it makes you seem like less of a critic, right? And more of someone who was like, hey, I have really seen these things be successful and I want to move them forward in this way. And I think that this can really be applied with folks who are interventionists and co-teachers 
I've done intervention before with three teachers at the same time. And so they all have very different personalities. And depending on who I was going to and what I was bringing to them, I had to think about what my solution looked like. Mm -hmm. And that might have been like, hey, can we try this for this finite amount of time? If it doesn't work, then we can go back to, to the way that things are and then we can revisit this conversation or we can observe this time period and see what works and what doesn't and then come back to it. But be prepared to go into the conversation, like knowing what you would want to shift and what it may look like. And if you're not sure about what you would want to shift like and what it might look like, bring those ideas to the conversation and say, this is really what I'm seeing. This is what I would love to be true in my classroom or in our classroom. And I want to hear your thoughts as someone who I value the input of to think about what this might look like for my classroom. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you know, it, it's interesting, Blair, because of what it, it's one of those things, too, that I've been also advising to to people that I that I coach and, and, I, and I tell them the thing is also put yourself in in the shoes of a leader and think about the difference between someone who comes to you who is just complaining and wants you to problem solve for them versus someone who comes with ideas right like and you're and you're you know you, you're listing the issues but you're also listing the solutions right like who who would you rather listen to right or who are you willing to have more of a conversation with and so so, so I, I I love that you you mentioned the the solution oriented aspect of it, and at the same time, it's it, it's also a great place to start a negotiation, right? Like, if you come with absolutely nothing, and then the person who you are hoping to solve your problem brings something up that may not necessarily solve your problem, and you still don't like that, you see, we're just re- we're not we're not going anywhere. Yeah. So that that part that part let's underline it. Yeah. Confrontation is not fun. Even if you are someone who describes themselves as confrontational, like (laughs) it is not, and I am not one of those people. And I remember being a first year teacher and being like, I am having all of these feelings because newsflash, first year teachers have a lot of feelings about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. which is why you need to prepare and process first because sometimes some of those things are actually non-factors. And so when you're going to your principal, which is a very different conversation than going to your co-teacher or going to like your grade level team person across the hall or whatever the case may be, if you're trying to have like a conversation across power lines, that is really going to require you to put yourself in the shoes of your school leader. And it's gonna require you to consider what are the things that this person could say to me that are going to upset me? (laughs) (laughs) And what's my response to that? Like, Mm -hmm. how am I going to mitigate my response in the moment? So I'm not having a whole cry conversation in the middle of the teacher's lounge with my principal or in my classroom with my principal, AKA it was me. I thought I had my conversation all planned out. I brought it to my principal. She says something I ain't like, and I just started crying. And I'm, I mean, to be fair, I am a crier. So, but I hadn't mitigated that before because I didn't think there was going to be something she would say in response. And so like, what are the things that are going to like set you off and make you feel icky? And and what are you going to do to like protect yourself from that to keep the ball rolling? Cause then everybody just gets distracted by the crying and then nothing gets solved. Mm. And then you're like, God dang it. I didn't even get accomplished what I was trying to get accomplished. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. Like, Oh, we're crying. Yeah. I think we have to, let's just pause. (laughs) (laughs) We might be done here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be a true tough conversation, courageous conversation. Yeah. Conversation without bringing up the one, the only Brene Brown. Oh, 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 we're okay. going there. <laughs> yes. oh. My good sis. Okay. My yes. good sis. And so Brene Brown, if you haven't heard of her, Google. <laughs> um, and 
when we were talking about this conversation, Blair and I, she brought up the book Dare to Lead. If you look up Dare to Lead, there's a ton of resources on that website. Um, but one resource that we definitely wanted to, to point out was the, uh, the Dare to Lead, the Engaged Feedback Checklist. And so it's just a, a checklist to kind of like fix your mindset to say like, am I really ready to give this information? Am I really prepared to, to sit and be honest in this conversation about what we need to talk about? Am I ready to be vulnerable and also leave the conversation? Maybe not getting an answer that I desire. Am I ready for that? Um, so of course that'll be linked in the show notes. But is there anything else that y'all think the person needs to prepare or bring to the conversation in general? If you are a core member, I highly recommend you have a conversation with your MTLD about this before having the said conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Period. Because your coach will be able to give you some questions to ask. Your coach will be able to help you be a thought partner because mm -hmm. maybe it's something that doesn't actually need to be brought up. Maybe it's something that you need to work through on your own, but you won't know that until you have a conversation. Maybe you need to re be rehearsing this conversation before you go in because you just need to build up the muscle memory to do that. Contact your local MTLD to have this conversation <laughs> because we do not want to send people into the fire mm -hmm. oh. unprepared when you have someone in your corner yeah. who is willing to I've told core members I'm like if you feel uncomfortable I am willing to sit right next to you when you have this conversation I ain't gonna chime in but I'm willing to sit by you yeah. to support you right. through it and sometimes that's all you need but sometimes mm -hmm. you also need to practice yeah. I think another thing like for first year core members that I think about a lot is like you transition from being in training. And I think that this applies to any context where you learn about something theoretically and then you actually get into doing the thing. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of dissonance that happens in your first year teaching when you think about how you spent so much time learning about what education could be and what it should be, and then you are placed in a situation where you're seeing what it actually looks like in real time. Mm. And so that conflict alone can cause you to want to have a conversation about everything because 80 to 90% of the stuff that you're seeing is in direct conflict with the theory that mm -hmm. you read, right? And so a part of it is just like really prioritizing, like, and thinking about what are those small chunks? What are those small things that are gonna help move the needle forward? Mm -hmm. Because you're in regions and you're in this situation as a part of a longer legacy. Mm -hmm. of a larger problem that we're all working collaboratively to fix, which just speaks to the volume of the whole situation. Right. So going into the meeting thinking that the issue, the hill that you want to die on is this massive issue that has been ingrained in the culture of the school or maybe the building or even the region that you're serving in, like, that is not the position to take, right? Yeah. Like you want to gather as much information about where you are, who you are, who you're talking to, and then think about something that's very small that you can continue to improve upon over time mm -hmm. because it's going to take a long-term investment to see the types of change that we want to see in education. Yeah. So definitely think about like, how big is the issue that you're bringing and like, can it be pared down and put into steps so that you progress monitor over time and aren't feeling overwhelmed by like just the entire situation, right. Of trying to teach when there's so many things that are going wrong in our education system. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you and your principal ain't going to dismantle the racism in a team Period. meeting. 
It's just not, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. As much as we want to though, right? As much, I mean, if, listen, (laughs) if it took one team meeting, what are we still having this conversation for? Why are we still here? Why are we still here? Right. Anyway. Right. So, and I appreciate that. And I think like, and the reason why I'm like, I'm glad that we're spending this much time here is because I think the mindset that you have before you even enter the conversation really controls the the way the conversation is going to go and the results of the conversation as well. So it's like, if you're not taking a step back to check yourself and really reflect on your own identity, your own privilege, like what you're bringing to the work, I think in general, it could then turn into a tit for tat or you said this, so I'm going to say this. Um, And that's not the end goal of of this conversation right you want to get to a solution you want to have some sort of answer so i definitely appreciate that now we've done all this preparing right we we got all our our brain cells together we got our mindset together we maybe even had to go back and get some data some student data maybe we don't found a research article of something that didn't happen right maybe we got some data and we have the right mind heart and spirit to enter that conversation because you've already talked to your mtld about how this conversation is gonna go you've already re- rehearsed it in your head maybe you put it on a little sticky note and so you reach out to that person, you schedule the conversation, and now the day has come. It's time to have the conversation. So what, what are we going to do? I've, they've told me, I'm, I've listened to Entangled, they've told me to do X, Y, and Z, <laughs> but now I'm here. What am I going to do? The conversation is happening. Y'all just sat down at the table. Envision, you're in the teacher's lounge. Nobody else is there because mm. it's just your planning period, and you yep. found a room where it's yep. just y'all. Um, and I think that's important too. I, I was going to say, you need to be in, a, in an environment where it won't be. And I hate to say it, but for lack of better words, it won't turn into some mess. Um, you need some exactly. Privacy. You need privacy because your school leader, I'm, I'm making this up because it may not even be your school leader. It may be your co-teacher. It could mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. Um, your neighbor teacher, who knows a coworker. Um, but you definitely want some privacy for, for the conversation. So you're there. And while you're in the conversation, number one, remember that you need to expect and accept non-closure. You may not come to an agreement. You bring your solution and that person says, well, I've done this. I've done this in the past. This has happened. That may not, y'all may come to an agreement and be like, actually, the, the solution I brought doesn't work. That's fine. But I think throughout the conversation, you need to speak from the heart and from a place of vulnerability. Mm. Um, You need to separate sharing facts from interpretations, assumptions, or impacts. You need to use feeling words and eye language to express yourself and consider your tone of voice and your body language. Um, Nobody wants to talk to somebody with their arms crossed or that's looking with a, with a, a, a crunchy face. Nobody is going to want to receive the message that you're giving. Be direct with your empathy and with your solution. Be specific. Brene Brown says clear is kind and unclear is unkind. So Hmm. when you're thinking through that solution, is it specific? Is it going to tell me where I need to be when? How I'm going to do this? And then also throughout the conversation, you may make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, own your part and reset the issue, right? So like, if you're like, actually, I'm, I misspoke and what I meant was this and keep it going. <laughs> There's no need to, to, to harp on something. And then you can also use something called the situation behavior impacts format for giving feedback. If you're in a feedback conversation, if the conversation is tied to feedback, giving feedback to somebody or requesting feedback yourself. And these tips were given from a Forbes article that I'll also link. Is there anything that y'all might want to add while they're having the conversation that they may, maybe some tips and tricks? Yeah, I think that the part about 
being clear, but also having some radical acceptance around the fact that like what you envisioned this conversation going like, it may not go that way, right? Not that person may not be open to having the conversation. And so the best thing that you can do while you're in that conversation is think about like, how can I respond best in this moment, right? Like knowing that my ultimate goal is to teach these kids, right? So if you're in a situation where you are speaking with someone who is not open, accept that they're not ready for that conversation and continue to be the best you that you can be. And maybe the door will open up at another time. But if the door is open, be clear about what you think the environment or the situation should look like, ideally, and be open to the fact that there may be some adjustments that are made to your plan. You may have sat down and scripted like, (laughs) okay, I'm progress monitoring this, you know, this situation. Like if it was to change, here are the benchmarks, here are the objectives, like here are the things that I need to see. And then you get into the meeting and literally all of it goes to trash. Like be open to those things not being there if you are working in collaboration with someone else and meeting them in the middle, Mm -hmm. it's not always going to look exactly how you want it to look, but knowing how you want it to look gives you a better idea of how you want to approach the conversation and can also help you figure out like where your non-negotiables are or where your things are that you really want to push for when you get into the negotiation phase with the person that you're speaking with. I am someone who doesn't mind getting feedback and I, that's just my orientation, but some people, you can't just go in and be like, and here are all the reasons why you suck. Like what girl, that ain't going to work. Cause Mm -hmm. then they're immediately going to be caught off guard and attacked. And when people feel like they're being attacked, they're going on the defensive. And then the conversation is not going to happen. And so something I would offer is to say, like, to start with your I statement of how the situation made you feel. When this happened, I felt blank. Don't say you made me feel like blank because they did not. You had a reaction to the thing that happened to you. So I felt like this can I offer you some feedback and or some solutions to make sure like this doesn't happen again so that we can work more effectively and efficiently with each other. But always ask people before just go and dishing out feedback willy-nilly because you can you can guarantee they're going to be like, well, I got some feedback for you too. <laughs> and now you in there crying because your little feelings is hurt because you wasn't expecting nobody to give you feedback. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> So like ask and offer, and if they say no, you have to respect that boundary and find another way to like say, well, this is the situation that happened. These are some of the ideas that I have come up with to mitigate this and keep it away from the person and their actions and their personality and their character and things like that. Because once you go into a character assassination, it's just hard to pull it back. And then nobody really wants to be your friend after that. (laughs) People's image are really important, right? Like they, I think most people might, if they agree with what you're saying, but you start attacking their image, they're actually going to disagree with you even more. So if it's like in front of other people, right? Exactly. Like we're all going to be protecting our image. So that's, that's, that's one of those things that we have to be very mindful of. And as you were saying all of this, Taylor, I was like, That sounds like emotional intelligence to me. So that means you have to be, you know, like very, very much like in tune with, with how you're feeling, understand why you're feeling that way. And then figure out like how we can navigate our way around it or through it. Really? Like you don't have to go around it. Like it's important to go through it. Um, So that that's, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had, I've had many conversations with core members who are like, well, my principal did X, Y, Z thing to me because they don't like me and they're making my life more difficult and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
newsflash world does not revolve around you <laughs> so let's bring it back does your principal really not like you because i just talked to her and she was actually praising you so mm. let's don't project and so mm. that that gets into the preparation goes back to preparation <laughs> it's like one what is your relationship with this person what is your perceived relationship with this person and what is your capacity to be able to even emotionally understand what is happening around you? Because it is hard to be emotionally intelligent when you're operating on minimal sleep. You're trying to lesson plan every day. You have 511 kids in your classroom hollering and screaming <laughs> at you. You're, you're not going to therapy. You're not working out. You're eating Taco Bell every day. Like all of those things are very difficult to keep yourself steady. And that's why you need to like, is this really about me? Mm. What is this about? Okay, now I see. Thinking about how we grounded in Brene Brown, there is a quote that we pulled that is actually connected to food that Ooh. connects very well Ooh. to what Taylor said. So there's something in Brene Brown's book that she calls the ham fold over debacle. And that could, that could be a person, but I saw ham and I saw food. And I do think <laughs> that's a person now that I'm reading it. But here's what the debacle is. You make yourself the center of something that has mm. nothing to do mm. with you mm. out of your own fear or scarcity, mm. only to then be reminded that you are not the axis on which the world turns. Ooh. Like when you are in a state of crisis and baby, teaching is like- okay. A constant state when you are in crisis sometimes the stress can cause you to create things just underneath the pressure that are actually not factual and so one thing i think to add to the iframes as you are having this conversation is when you're giving said feedback or when you're giving folks what you need um, for them to do better, maybe you can say like, it might not have been your intention, mm -hmm. but this is how it landed with me. Mm -hmm. Or I don't even know if you are the person who makes the decision that can impact this. Mm -hmm. Because nine times out of 10, we're mad with the person. If we're talking power structure, who literally does not have the keys to open up the door that we want open. Amen. So assuming, just opening it up and saying like, hey, I don't know what you meant in that moment. I'm just letting you know how it lands with me. It lets that person know that you haven't assumed the worst of them, which makes them more open to be like, no, 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 this is really what I meant, but I hear you and I'm sorry, right? But something else Brene Brown said is that your feelings are not facts. And once you understand that your feelings are a necessary data point that needs to be taken into account, it ain't the data point. Like the data point is the actual thing that's happening around you that probably ain't got nothing to do with you. And I have done that where I'm like, my principal hates me. She's just after me. And we had to have a whole come to Jesus. And I realized she, I was like, oh, I was just not doing my job like I was supposed to be doing. And she wanted to hold me accountable for that. And I ain't like that. <laughs> so you have to realize like in these situations, sometimes you might be the one in the wrong and people might be coming to you for something that you have done and or said, either a child or an adult. And so these things are still, they still hit. That other person still deserves to be heard. That student in particular really still deserves to be heard, especially if there's some sort of harm or whatever the case may, may be done to them. And so you have to understand that like not everything is a personal attack, even though it may feel like it and that's okay. And then we just need to unpack why that is. I so appreciate that perspective and like that insight. And 
if y'all could see what we look like on Zoom, you could have seen my reaction when Henry brought up emotional intelligence. Because as I was listening to this to the previous episode, I think a lot of the information that Henry shared about coaching through resistance, it really (laughs) it can help you in these conversations as well. It's like, are there ways that you you yourself are being resistant to, to certain things, to feedback or to new ways of thinking? If you are new to an area, new to a culture, new to a community, how are the ways that you're showing up impacting potentially the way that you're receiving things? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot to think about. So we've given you some tips on having the conversation. All right. So I do want you to know, surprise, there are some things that could be true after the conversation, right? And that need to be true. Follow up with that person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, close yeah. the loop. <laughs> Period. And if you did come to a clear agreement, um, then be sure that they're doing your part and that you're owning your part in that solution as well. Do the things that you agreed on and keep the lines of communication open. Um, The last episode, Henry talked a lot about the fact that in these types of situations, in tough situations, in things like that, you have to build trust with that person to be able to really get (laughs) get to a solution. And who knows, you may be walking into a conversation with somebody that you thought didn't like you. And then after the conversation, now y'all friends. Now y'all going to the second line together. Y'all going (laughs) to superior. Now y'all going to superior together. You know, I think that there's a lot to be said about the fact that you can really learn something from the teachers that you may be the polar opposite of. Like you may run your classroom different than the, than Miss or Mr. Such and such down the hall, but that doesn't mean that there's something that you can't learn from that situation. Is there anything else that our core members and educators out there may need to do after the conversation, y'all. I think that what you said just about like keeping the lines of communication open is is good, right? Regardless of regardless of how things like turned out, still continue to like be a positive person and to show that individual that regardless of how our conversation went, like I'm still here to show up and do what we came to do because it might not be that you and that person see eye to eye as individuals but y'all may align on your passion for the larger goal which is students and so if they respect your effort coming to work every day and just like putting your best foot forward and like not letting the dips that you all have impact how you show up to work every day that can really go a long way, not just with the individual who you fell out with, but everybody surrounding that situation who may have witnessed it happen. Because you never know what's going to help you build a bridge to something else. And somebody could see how you responded to that situation and say, wow, that was mature. That's somebody that I would like to have on my team when Mm -hmm. I decide that I want to do X. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to find your community one way or another. And sometimes it's through these types of situations that you find it. Mm-hmm. And it might not even be with the person that you got beef with. I would just add offering a thank you. Mm-hmm. People don't ju- don't have time to just be sitting. If I had to choose between having a confrontational conversation with somebody and laying on my couch and watching some housewife, <laughs> Guess what I am going to choose? The couch. Potomac. Potomac is going to win every time. (laughs) Um, And so like offering a thank you just one for their time and for like hearing you out because they did not have to. And hopefully that will like keep the lines of communication open so y'all can continue to problem solve or work alongside each other even if it's not with each other like together my, my tip for the afterwards would be as Blair had mentioned this is this is very much like like a muscle and so mm-hmm. taking the time to really debrief with yourself 
And, and there are so many ways in which you can do that. I sometimes would do what, what's called an AAR, which is what they call it an after action review. I, I think this is like somewhere from the military. I think one of my military friends might've taught it to me. Um, and and you, you literally just write down the things that you feel like went really well and the things that you feel didn't go so well, things that you did really well and things that you feel like you could improve on, right? So the next time you have a similar conversation, you remember like, okay, last time this is, this is, these are some of the things that were triggering me. This is how I reacted. So I'm going to try to be better about that. And you keep improving this skill because it is a skill. Mm -hmm. And also understand if you didn't come to a solution, it's all right. Yeah. Focus on what you do and what you can control, period. Mm-hmm. I think this conversation is making me think about Abbott Elementary. And I don't think that we've talked about Abbott <coughs> Elementary on the podcast, which I'm very surprised that we haven't, like why it hasn't come up. Yeah. I need to catch up on episodes. But the scene yeah. where she sends the email, she thinks she's sending it to the superintendent, superintendent. and then they mm-hmm. bounce back to the principal. And then child. So if you haven't seen it, (laughs) check out that episode. And I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't? Okay, check it out. (laughs) It was literally the season premiere. It was yeah. No, it was more like the second or third episode. episode. No, it was like because that was after. No, because then she. I'm I'm telling the show, Henry. I'm telling the movie. It's all good. It's all good. All that to say, that could be you know, a moment where you're like, hey, what happened in this situation? You could take a moment to reflect on that as well. And that might help you and support you through having tough conversations with with your people. So the resources will be in the show notes. Blair, as always, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for your insights, your knowledge, just your love through the screen and through the recording. We appreciate you. Um, if you have any questions for us or want to reach out, shoot, if you want to be a guest and be featured, Ooh. if there's something cool that you're doing in the education world, reach out to us. Uh, we are on Instagram at entangled underscore podcast. And you can email us if you still do that thing um, at entangled at teachforamerica.org. Um, that was all that I have for y'all today. Any last <laughs> little tidbits before we head out? We bid you good luck. <laughs> I'm trying to do these, have these conversations. Yeah. Because it's not easy. And number one, I think it's important to remember, as Brene Brown has said, the courage to be vulnerable is not about winning or losing. It's about the courage to show up when you can't predict or control the outcome. Mm. So Ooh. with that, ladies and gentlemen, and, and those days out there, Thank you for listening. Peace.